The voice Born of the king. To serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum respected listeners Welcome to the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo I'm your host this evening Muhammad Sheikh Bringing to you Born to Serve Featuring leaders in our community That have made a difference Are making a difference And will continue making a difference Solely and only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And to bring about inspirational leaders Within our community And respected listeners I think before I uh, latch on too much onto this particular program uh, and uh, with uh, due to time constraints uh, we have with us in studio two important guests uh, our profile interview for today is none other than Dr. Yasin Dutton from University of Cape Town Dr. Yasin Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah Wa Alaikum Assalam Wa Rahmatullahi Ta'ala Wa Barakatuh Accompanying uh, Dr. Yasin is the other Yasin uh, radio voice of the Cape's other presenters uh, Brother Yasin Kipi Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah Wa Alaikum Assalam so uh, we'll get we'll get with the, we'll, we'll tickle into the the junior Yasin's brain in a bit, inshallah. <laughs> but perhaps inshallah to get the ball rolling, Respe- respected listeners. Remember, you can send us an SMS, a dedication, a commitment four seven nine one three, alternatively on WhatsApp zero seven two two three eight zero seven one two. So Ustad Yasin, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? I'm. Uh uh, well, I, I'm seeing the born to serve. All right. And I'm thinking something we just did in the class the other day. No. Every person that is born is born on the. What can we? How can we translate fitra? That's a problem number one. Natural form of man, or mm. something like that. And it's his parents who turn him into a Jew or a Christian or a fire worshipper, etc. So I was turned into a sort of Christian, but I also, for reasons of purely of nafs, okay. rejected Christianity. So I was just thinking, I was waiting outside, I was thinking, I don't like the, the, the sort of too personal approach. Sure. I see quite a big difference between me before being a Muslim and after being a Muslim. And I say, alhamdulillah, that I became a Muslim despite everything. Right. Because if it was, you could tell the story, it would be all nafs. Surely. Or you could tell the story and say, well, no, it didn't quite work out like that. It turned into something else. Mm-hmm. So before Islam, yes, there, of course, there are memories and uh, yeah, there are things that would have indicated that to some people with hindsight. Mm-hmm. But at the time, sure. no idea. Right, right. So I, I just say, alhamdulillah, that I found myself on, as it were, the right side of the path, alhamdulillah. But it's not, I have to say, that it's not from me. It's not to do, there's nothing that I have done that deserves it. Allahu Akbar. So, and that's not just, that's not, um, you know, whatever the the word is, you know, mujamala or anything like that. that Mm -hmm. When you look back and you think of all the things you've done, you think, subhanAllah. You know, if we were to be taken to task for our wrong actions, not a single one of us would... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, what's the area? Yes. I can't remember what it is. One of them is with Daba. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be, in other words, there wouldn't be a single creature, wouldn't be a living creature mm-hmm. left on the face of the earth. So that's why I preface any comments like that because otherwise it can become a kind of zoo specimen territory. Ah. Mm. Oh, 
you know, yeah. European Muslim, oh, <laughs> this, that, and the other. Right. Think, no. You know, I found okay. myself in a corner. Right. There was only one, one avenue real out. way out. Yes. Ajeeb, subhanAllah. Yes. Now, I can imagine in, in this phase of pre and post uh, uh, Islam, if I may uh, use uh -huh. it very, very crudely, um, there was obviously a a battle an inner an inner battle between constantly fighting to the nafs and obviously a lot of questions that were asked and i think you know as part of uh, of being a leader that's one thing that we are faced with uh, you know on a daily basis the 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 challenge of our nafs the challenge of our inner desires of what we want to do versus what we actually have to do and uh, what what really stood in your fortune in terms of pushing you straight out of that corner uh, it's interesting uh, it just makes me think of an entirely different uh, sort of area of conversation sense because I think the the truth is there's almost zero of that okay at the time really you, just, you find yourself in a situation and you say okay right let's do this mm -hmm. and uh, you do it and then the problems come later the problems the more you live Mm -hmm. In a sense, <coughs> the more you're still trying to polish this thing, the nafs. Right, subhanAllah. But, and stop for a laugh, uh, you know, that one can think of wrong actions. I, I would hate to think yesterday or the day before or something like that, but certainly recently, mm -hmm. um, certainly in terms of the last few years or something, I mean, stop for a laugh. I wouldn't like to, you know, dream of mentioning anything in public. Absolutely. But, uh, and um, we're all in that, I presume, I presume, sure, we're sure. all in that situation because that's Absolutely. the nature of the human being. Otherwise, where's the Hufran? Allah you know, so Akbar. We, we ask for forgiveness. Allah, Allah is a ghafur. And, and forgiveness is stopping, as far as I understand, stopping the thing coming back on you. Right. So, you know, the, it's like a, isn't it connected to the idea of a helmet? Mm hmm A ghafar and a ghafran, etc. Ah, so yes, interesting. putting on, you're protecting yourself from the backfiring of the action. The action's mm -hmm. already been done. Right. So you ask forgiveness after an action has happened no. that you would rather hadn't happened. Subhanallah. And then you ask for protection from its effects. Mm. To every action there is an equal and opposite reaction, reaction. so the physicists say. <laughs> and, uh, and I so think uh, we could uh, agree with him, you know, um, with, with many of that, with that particular principle as an applicant to our lives. But, but nonetheless, inshallah, uh, you know, this, this whole journey of, of pre and post Islam, uh, once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed you with the opportunity of embracing that which is al haq um, what, what was your initial acceptance feeling like? How did you, how did you embrace it? What was your, your reactions? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Subhanallah. I, I, it was. No, I'll just be sitting here blank in front of the microphone, and all right. the listeners, what's he going to say? What's he gonna <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's uh, it's but, not like that. The thing is, there were other people, and mm -hmm. you're involved with other people, and you find people. Um, I mean, I can remember one particular man. His name is uh, Haji Dries, no. and he was Englishman. Right. And I went to one of these Muslim uh, Muslim welfare center type places, one uh, in London, mm -hmm. and uh, and I had some friends that used to go there, and I remember meeting Haji Dries, and I can remember he came over to me and was interested in who I was, why I was there, what I was doing, etc. And uh, the difference was that where everyone else was talking about Islam, he was saying. Allah says, 
the Prophet said, and it was very, it was a sort of immediate thing. So uh, you were, what did Allah say? Okay. What did the Prophet say? say. Mm. And there was an immediacy which wasn't what you would get from the average Muslim. Sure. Where the average Muslim say, in Islam, you know, Islam says, and you think, wait a minute, Islam's not a person. Yes. How can Islam say anything? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, and, oh, and things like that, which you don't notice at the time, but then you realize that one is immediate. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, <coughs> it's actually a memory mm -hmm. of a particular person, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi having said no. something, for example. SubhanAllah, I think to that, that's, I mean, that's real. Yes, yes, that real feeling. Uh, I wish we can all appreciate that, uh, you know, that particular feeling. But uh, perhaps, you know, uh, in addition to uh, embracing the faith, um, uh, uh, for our respected listeners out there, Professor Yasin Dutton is an associate professor of Arabic in uh, the School of Languages and Literature at the University of Cape Town. So, yes, inshallah, uh, subhanallah, we're definitely featuring a, uh, a professor on our program today, Born to Serve. Now, the inclination towards this magnanimous world of Arabic, uh, did, was it something in the phase of pre-Islam, something that you latched onto um, after, you know, this feeling of reality struck you? <laughs> Again, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But let's say that my nafs directed me to Morocco, but I was mm. interested in languages. So before okay. I had any, before I wanted to even get off the plane or whatever, I wanted to know something about the language. Sure. So I got hold of a, of a, a record course of Arabic, but because I knew I was going to Morocco, I chose a dialect. Mm. Uh, there were two choices at that time. There was this thing called linguaphone, linguaphone language courses. Okay. And uh, they had Afrikaans and uh, all sorts of things. But um, they had Egyptian Arabic mm -hmm. and they had Algerian Arabic. Okay. Now, for Morocco, the obvious one was not Egyptian Arabic, <laughs> but the other one. <laughs> the Algerian version. So I went for the Algerian version and started learning Algerian Arabic. And I turn up in Morocco and they're kind of saying, hmm, you know, this is kind of slightly odd accent you've got here. Um, and uh, it sort of developed from that. So then I ended up getting the opportunity to work out there, work in Algeria. Okay. And use the language etc and so the whole thing began in a sense by chance but okay. there's no chance is no. there i mean that's that's, that's from allah we get back to the, the 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 same issue again definitely so it's, it's kind of what you do with those cards that are dealt mm -hmm. you sure sure and one hopes that one maintains or another thing later perfect on that note respected listeners it's time to go and pay the bills let us stay tuned immediately after this born to serve my eyes see injustice my hands work for change my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart, my heart. the love of Allah 91.3 FM is what you've been listening to Born to Serve is your program. I'm Muhammad Sheikh with us in studio. We have, uh, you know, the, the, the senior professor, Ustad Yasin Dutton, as well as uh, Yasin Kippi, uh, uh, also a pr uh, presenter at Radio Voice of the Cape, respected listeners. So we are journeying into the life and the uh, the, the, the interests of uh, 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 Sheikh Yasin Dutton, who is an associate professor of Arabic in the School of Languages and Literature at the University of Cape Town. So, Ustad Yasin, uh, the journey to a PhD, uh, 
being a professor obviously entailed much research, uh, much interactions, much studying and teaching, I would imagine. Um, something that comes straight off my mind, firstly, what, what formed part of your initial interests to Islamic studies, perhaps maybe which particular fields? Well, my undergraduate degree was in Arabic language mm -hmm. and Urdu language. So Urdu, it was a, interesting. Yeah, so it was a language, uh, something that's been of interest to me from way back is just languages. Okay. So I was, uh, and even a bit before that, before I, I actually changed to Arabic because mm -hmm. I wasn't enrolled to do Arabic, I was actually doing English. Okay. And I was doing early English. Right. And Anglo-Saxon and uh, all these other, you know, sort of weird and wonderful variants of the English language in its early history. Okay. But I was interested in that language side of things. I had the opportunity to travel to Morocco mm -hmm. and I had the opportunity to change my course to Arabic. Uh, so I, at Morocco? No, oh, but, uh, uh, as an undergraduate. As an undergraduate. So I grabbed the opportunity and started doing Arabic. Okay. And then things pan out mm -hmm. and so then I became Muslim mm -hmm. and then when I became Muslim I kind of thought hmm this is interesting why is it that there's well uh, there's a short uh, not quite not quite sure how to say it. within a relatively short space of time mm -hmm. you come across madhabs no. and if you're listening carefully you come across Qira'a yes and you come across these differences. And I was very curious. I thought, well, what's this for madhab business? Right. So and this was your part of your initial interest, the, the yeah, Arabic and, complementary and, and with seven the seven readings and yes. this sort of thing, or maybe ten readings, no. or, you know, some people will say more. And um, so I was always interested at uh, trying to find out more about that. In fact, that was proven for me. I got in contact with somebody, something I don't know about, so this was all sort of like in the 80s, 1980s or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I got in contact with somebody in the 2004 or something like that who'd known me back in sort of as it were 1984. Wow. And I said, I'm, I'm doing readings. He said, oh, I remember you being interested in that back then. Wow. So, so obviously I was interested at that time. Right. And um, so in a sense, otherwise, uh, you know, reflecting back, things... Al-Abd Musayyar, you know, the, 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 the person is being moved forward by something else, not necessarily by himself. Sure. And, and uh, I think so the, these things have manifested mm -hmm. in a strange so, way, but it's not really that strange either, because that ha must happen to absolutely everybody. Definitely. They, they so if I understand correctly, mm -hmm. it was this... Uh, this keen interest in linguistics from a long time ago that kept you propelling forward, uh, you know, given the opportunities that you d that you had, and obviously with the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa taala. But without thinking about it, I okay. mean, you're, you're sort of asking for it as if it's something that one can put in a sort of linear fashion. You know, sure. this led to that, led to that, led to that, and I don't think it's like that. It just, it's sort of there already, and mm. then the thing just unfolds. Subhanallah. So we, we're looking at Arabic as a subject and we're looking at special interests in um, uh, other branches of Islamic knowledge such as fiqh, uh, you know, such as the aqidah, etc., whatever, it, uh, whatever else it may be. Now, um, at an undergraduate level, how, how different did you find it? And I'm sure you've probably engaged with a lot of traditional 
Islamic scholars as well that were teaching or, uh, you know, that had a form of um, uh, a, a form of a different method to what we would regard as, uh, you know, a professional institution or an academic institution per se. Uh, how different did you find the experience at undergraduate, undergraduate level versus interactions with traditional scholars that perhaps maybe just have, you know, their little madrasa or the little, uh, you know, little hub of circle where students come to them? Uh, and do you, uh, perhaps just latching further onto that, do you find that uh, one is better than the other? How, how do you see it? Well, on a formal level, I think it's fair to say I've never had a formal, I've never had an Islamic, I've not had a Muslim teacher in that sure. sort of formal sense. Okay. Not in my undergraduate period, nor yes. in my postgraduate period. Okay, okay. I've met lots of, in, well, I say lots, some people have met a lot more than me, but no. I've, I've met various individuals over sure. the years. Obviously, one one's going to meet... Mm. Um, lots of people and mm. I've learnt from lots of individual people Right. but um, I would say and this is what we were just talking about before that one particular person mm -hmm. who's had a major influence on me and I would consider my main teacher by mm -hmm. far, I mean I think there's no question of doubt about it Yes. Um, is Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Murabit, well it was al-Murabit, now it's Sheikh Abdul Qadir a Sufi or just Sheikh Abdul Qadir mm -hmm. Um, and he, I mentioned that Haji Dries, Haji Dries was yes. connected to him sort of way back. Okay. And so okay. through him, uh -huh. I got to meet a number of other people in a sense who were in the same situation as me. In other words, they were English people, yes, born English, English speakers, etc., who'd come into Islam one reason or another, mm -hmm. and were being English Muslims. Right. Um, and at that time, there was a mosque in uh, Norwich, maybe possibly some of you have heard of it, mm -hmm. which is in Norfolk in the east of England. Right. Um, and I came at a time when that mosque had already been set up. Okay. But there were people before me, mm -hmm. about 10 years before me, who were involved in the process of setting up that, which is the first mosque in the UK set up by English Muslims, or at least British Muslims, because they were Irish and Welsh, you know, set up by British Muslims mm -hmm. within the British Isles. Wow. Um, Norwich. Norwich, mm. yes. And so that was kind of interesting because mm. you're living in a, there was a community of people basically, sure. quite a large community. I'm out to 50 men and therefore 50 women as wives. Mm -hmm. So that's already 100 people. And then children. Right. on average of two or two and a half <laughs> right. so you're talking about maybe 250 people in the early 80s okay um so that was quite a significant um a development sort of, perhaps in your uh, uh, yeah and that was between me being undergraduate and postgraduate okay so, so this was like so the kind of uh, the middleman if i had to well, the middle, the middle period. The middle period. The middle period, Perfect. yeah. What were some of your fondest memories of interaction with uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Murabit or al-Sufi? Wow. You know... That's, that's almost impossible. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they have been, I think it's fair to say, constant but relatively infrequent. I mean, mm. there have been people who've lived and been very close to him yes, almost yes, on yes. a day-by-day -day basis. Mm. I, I, it may like, well uh, be that I've... You know, seen the Sheikh maybe once in a three, four, five months, okay. six month period or something, and then, but then possibly, um, if the Sheikh's teaching, like for example in South Africa, in mm. the uh, 
um, I say in the early days, my early days here, say like 10 years ago or so, the Sheikh would teach every week at certain mosques. Right. So it would be nights of dhikr. Mm. And, uh, and the Sheikh would, <coughs> would teach <coughs> at those nights of dhikr. Okay. And I would be there every week at those nights of dhikr, for example. Not so sure there was a, that was a constant input. And then, of course, the Sheikh knows other people. Right. So people would come in. And uh, most recently, we talk about Sheikhs. Man Sheikh Murtada Al Bumasuli from Morocco. Mm -hmm. And um, so over the last few years, he's come many times to Cape Town. Cape Town. To South mm-hmm. Africa, yeah. Okay. And likewise, people from here have gone, and people from Europe, etc., have gone to his Zawiya mm-hmm. in Qalat uh, Muguna in the south of Morocco. Okay. And um, so, I mean, there's. But what can you say? I mean, these are just. Life unfolds mm-hmm. for every individual no. in a certain way. Yes. And in a sense, you know the phrase about careful what you wish for and don't be surprised if it happens. Mm. Or, or worse of that effect. It's, it's in a sense like that. So presumably, I hope that this is a manifestation of something I've been wishing for. Mm. So that it's, no. it's, Subhanallah. You know, Allah's given it to me. No. And, and <laughs> that's, what I meant, that's what I meant at the beginning about it's not from oneself. One can't claim anything. Right. Everything is a gift. Subhanallah. The gift of your Lord is not is not limited. Naam. It's all the time. And then the other thing I was thinking about is istihsan al-dhan. One has to have good opinion of Allah. Why should it not continue to be? It's been. I look back and I think, Subhanallah, this is absolutely amazing. Look mm. at all these things that have happened. Subhanallah. And, uh, you know, marriage, children, job, or. Uh, opportunity to meet people learn this all these things no. and why should that not stop yes you know it's like definitely he is the provider mm. it's like has there been a day when you haven't eaten at least twice a day no no I think, I think it's pretty and, and had something over your head you probably slept i mean, you made one or two exceptions to that <laughs> where you're in an airport and there's no sleep you know and you're yes leaning Just back, laying on, back. A, on mm. a you know uh, an uncomfortable settee or something like that. No. But basically, um, looking back on life, it manifests as mm. all these gifts. Okay. There's always provision. And provision inwardly and outwardly, or should we say the other way around? Outwardly, mm-hmm. food, clothing, etc., and inwardly, knowledge, learning, friendship, and um, so on and so forth. There's all gifts. Definitely. Along your journey of uh, interactions and meeting individuals, as uh, you know, you say uh, you've been to different parts. Um, was it was this something outstanding? You know that uh, perhaps maybe etched a lesson at the back of your mind for a very long time. Be it interaction, be it a particular place that you visited, uh, in the scope or in the in the pursuit of of learning or teaching, for that matter. I had a similar question asked me, I can't remember how long ago, maybe a year and a half or something, I was mm-hmm. at one of these meetings, um, sort of public, not quite self-help um, things, mm-hmm. and <coughs> the, the subject came up of, have there been moments when you have felt that you were, um, yourself was out of the way? Okay. And I thought... That's another way of phrasing it. <laughs> yes, I thought... <laughs> sure. Three times. So you're asking me that any time sort of affected me particularly. Mm. And again, it might sound a little bit romantic. It might sound a bit 
claiming what doesn't belong to me but I can say that when I first went to Medina Allah Akbar. Wow. and visited the Prophet that hit me hard Subhanallah. and I think of it now even just talking about it so that was back in the early 80s or something like that mm. and the another time was also Medina because Medina has something special to it as indeed everybody will agree indeed and I had the good opportunity now this actually relates to something that we were just talking about just before we started okay in Medina to Manawara yes alright because why was I even allowed if you like to go to Medina right because I'd given a talk about Quran manuscripts or something in London and a man came up to me afterwards and he says I would like you to meet somebody in Mecca and I will pay the ticket I will pay for you to go there mm -hmm. and he was true to his word 100% in fact he gave me slightly more than what was necessary say for example I needed X right he gave me X and a half or something wow. like that no so and my wife was very if my wife is listening she'll remember this was very keen that my son mm -hmm. should go on Umrah so okay. basically I had an Umrah package oh mashallah so I, I was uh, even that was something else because the local Muslim FOSIS in England was um, offering an, an Umrah package at a very good rate okay and this man had promised me X amount of money mm -hmm. and that amount of money was enough for me and my son with just to add a little bit extra but only a little bit extra no. for me and my son to go on Umrah no. at that time and the man had said to me I want you to meet and this was when I, we were talking about uh, Sheikh Ayman Rushdi Akbar. I want you to meet him in well he lives in Jeddah but no. he said you know, meet him in, in Mecca or whatever it is so I had an Umrah mm. set up and I went on Umrah and I did the I did the you know the, the Umrah first Umrah. Uh, went to Mecca first and um, so uh, I don't know how many days but let's say five six seven or whatever it was and on one of those days mm -hmm. this man he contacted Sheikh Ayman and arranged for me to meet him in Mecca wow. so I met him in the Haram such and such a you know the usual thing gates whatever it is right. <coughs> and then he invited me back to his house a couple of days later mm -hmm. and uh, so myself and my son it was Ramadan as well yeah, okay. uh, yeah it was Ramadan and uh, so we went down to Jidda and my I asked him about these manuscripts and various readings that were apparent from these manuscripts and he, he was very honest he said well he said I, I don't really know about those that's not my strong point but mm -hmm. uh, he knows the ten readings as a if you like um, as a as a practitioner right he knows the 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 ten readings and mm -hmm. he's written a extremely good book on the the eight readings of man Ibn Ghalwun had written a book on eight readings and um, that is <coughs> extremely useful but I wanted to know how to pronounce Vard <laughs> Vard my Vard the, the listeners can hear is not 100% bang on mm. so I was repeating it to him and, and he, at one point he said yep that's it <laughs> really <laughs> so it comes and goes but sometimes I can get it but that okay. was Sheikh Ayman 
he's worried because the people of Pharaoh are, are sort of chasing after him. Wow. And, and people say, in there, they've, they've caught up with us. That's it. Finish. Sure. And then Sidna Musa turns around and just says, Kalla. Mm. In the Rabbi Mahisa, no, Allah's oh. with me. He will guide me. Oh. And oh. you just see this man, he was living this story. Absolutely. And everybody's just like weeping, weeping. And then the thing changes because then, then they've got to cross the Red Sea. <laughs> yes, yes, the salvation, you know, they've reached. But they think, whoa, you know, like how, you know they're about to catch up with us. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. to, and he says, no, you know, that's not how it happens. You know, the, Allah is not going to treat us like that. And so then the sea opens up and each side is like a towering mountain yes and they get through of course they get through but pharaoh and his people don't get through bomb you know mm. comes in on it but he was he you could you could feel his living the story subhanallah so, it's as though you were in the moment yeah just just and, by means of the expression of quran and that man uh, his name was um budair salah al-budair wow and then but even more even more sort of like impressive but i don't mean in a like a kind of you know curriculum vitae sense but i just mean even more um like hitting on the heart was we were reciting maghrib and maghrib how many ayahs do you get through in maghrib you know the average rakah maybe two three four you know they're short yes he would make people weep in maghrib subhanallah so I, wow. there was a man from the people of Medina next to me mm-hmm. on my left hand side and so I said, Who was that man? Right. Afterwards and he said, Oh, that's Salah al Budaya. So wow. then I knew who he was and he was the voice that I heard in the eighties before in the uh, uh, no in ninety nine. A couple of days before. He, he oh, was the, oh, okay, he's the man I'd heard right, in right, the Tarawiya. Right. No, no. And there he was reciting in the in the in Maghrib <coughs> in the Haram. No. So I found out who he was. Right. So that was the second one. Wow. The third one ah, interesting. is kind of different, but almost more interesting. Okay. We mentioned uh, Sheikh Murtada. Sheikh Murtada from Morocco. Uh, Mulay, Mulay Murtada, Abu Masuli. And I had the good fortune, again, what can I say other than I had the good fortune? Alhamdulillah. The good fortune to go to his Zawiya. This was two years ago, two what have been now two two uh i can't remember may i think it was yeah so not uh, may last year but the year before 2015 mm-hmm. and we'd done the the three days of the various events that were sort of um, if you like on offer mm-hmm. and um then we'd been reciting at the tomb of his grandfather or maybe it's his great-grandfather i can't remember mm-hmm. um and again that was a whole interesting thing because he said he got his wilaya through two things not through anything sort of super magical or anything like that he said but he had two qualities Naam. that were strong and that were for the benefit like born to serve this was serving the muslims he said the one feeding people he was known for feeding people right. and the other was mending breaches between tribes mm. so he'd put right disagreements and quarrels and and this sort of thing right. and so he was known for that so achieving his wilaya, mm-hmm. his walihood, uh, you could say, mm-hmm. through those two things. So we were at this man's 
tomb. Right. And uh, the standard thing is recite Surat Yasin, recite Surat Mulk, recite this and uh, some other duas and things like this. And it, you know, it takes maybe, I don't know, half an hour, sure. 45, I don't know. And then we went back and did Dhuhr in the mosque, the little small mosque there. No. And after Dhuhr, I kind of had this feeling and I thought, whoa. I thought, this was like when I was in Medina. This mm. was like when I visited the Prophet. Subhanallah. And that was, again, no obvious reason. Yes, it's just a feeling that that but moment very of strong. Wow. Overwhelming I'm, feeling. I'm sure so. everyone else can relate. You know, there's certain moments that just happen and uh, the experiences and emotions that, you know, trigger your entire sensation of your body, which you cannot really translate into words. Yeah. But I think on that note, respected listeners, we have to go and pay our final bills. We'll resume with our last segment uh, just after this station. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Welcome back, respected listeners. In our final segment with uh, Dr. Yasin Dutton, Associate Professor of Arabic at UCT. Uh, SubhanAllah, taking us through his life journey and some of the highlights, his interactions with different people uh, and some of the moments, and I'm sure you can relate to that just hits you, especially when visiting uh, Al-Haramayn al-Sharifayn, whether in Mecca or Medina, and you hear the soothing voices of, of the Imma that are leading us there, uh, you know, the different ayat of Quran, SubhanAllah. And in Ramadan also, I'm sure, you know, it's such a feeling. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us there again and again and again and give us the true benefit of those wonderful, beautiful places. But uh, moving on, inshallah, one of um, your pet interests, if I may add, is the, um, you know, um, perhaps not collection, but acknowledgement of Quranic manuscripts. Um, How did this phase in between your academic uh, teaching, etc.? It's actually quite easy. Because when I was doing my DPhil, mm-hmm. in other words, PhD, um, the library that I was working in had some early Quranic fragments. Okay. Was this back in the UK stall? Yes. Okay. So, as a sort of diversion mm. <laughs> from the heavy duty fiqh <laughs> of Malik and these other things, right. I would order up a manuscript. Okay. And I remember the first manuscript I ordered up. Mm-hmm had a little piece of Surat al-Baqarah and it had the bit about وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا and but وَلَكِنَّ was vocalized with two different colors interesting because وَلَكِنَّ had a red dot on top indicating the fatha I didn't understand it fully at the time and had a green dot underneath indicating a kasvara وَلَكِنِشْ وَلَكِنِشْ شَيَاطِينُ so if you have so there's the one qira'ah, وَلَكِنْ الشَّيَاطِينَ Right. So the, both fathas were vocalized with the red dots. No. And parallel to it, if you like, exactly the, the same, in the same manuscript. Right. It had وَلَكِنْ الشَّيَاطِينُ no. ah. So you have the green, the green dot, the dot for the i and a green dot for the u, the, the other end. So and then you go further on and you find a لَمَثُوبَةٌ but it's لَمَثْوَبَةٌ ah. and you suddenly start, whoa, you know, what's going on? This is kind of curious. That was the first folio, the first page 
Well, wow. I hadn't even I hadn't even turned over. Subhanallah. And, and that was sort of I don't know maybe like twelve folios or something, and then there's another one and another one another. So I started. I, I was just fascinated. <laughs> I mean, somebody I said to somebody, and somebody said, "Why are you doing that? You know, what's what's the benefit of that? No. Sort of like born to serve. You know, what's the what's the service quality right. in those early manuscripts?" I said, "I don't really know." Mm. I said, "I just I'm just." It's like a hobby, and I enjoy it, you know. So uh, there are actually there is meaning to it. There is definitely, meaning to it, but, definitely. Uh, so I've just gone on from there. Subhanallah. So there's some in the British Library, uh, some in Paris. There's mm -hmm. some here, there's some there. Some of them have been published. Pictures of them, facsimile editions, that kind of thing. Definitely. So uh, there's nothing like the real thing. Right, nothing like the real thing. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Uh, subhanallah. So I also become fascinated with different types of musahi yeah. and the different way it's written, the different compilations, etc. But I think, yeah. uh, subhanallah, um, as time edges away, uh, perhaps in the next 30 seconds, and this is a question that I keep usually, um, I refer to it as the roast or the hot seat question. What does Ustad Yasin find himself doing when not um, immersing himself either learning or teaching Arabic? I can honestly say for the last, well, no, that, I can't honestly say that. I was going to say the last <laughs> few days, that's not true. Right. Um, I did finally mm -hmm. get a book. I should be saying all sorts of other things. I should be saying I, <laughs> you know, take my wife to here, there and everywhere else. Well, she'll know the truth it. isn't quite like that. <laughs> but but right. um, I did get a book out about South Africa. Okay. A history of South Africa from between... 1870 and 1910. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, it's called Diamonds, Gold, and War. The Boers and the British and the blah 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 whatever it was. You know. Okay, um, reading. So, I've been reading that uh, in an attempt to understand, and I do understand much better. When I first arrived ten years ago, mm -hmm. I didn't. You know, I maybe heard the name Kimberly, but it had no meaning. Sure. <laughs> and I maybe heard of Natal, but I had no no concept of what Natal was particularly right. or anything like that. And now I'm beginning to get the pieces. So, ah, right, okay, so that happened then, that happened then, and mm -hmm. then this uh, free state, blah, 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 transfer, blah, blah, blah. And it, it's sort of like, it, it's the, the jigsaw. Um, putting the pieces falling together, in, falling, uh, falling into place. Alhamdulillah. Yes, so. Perhaps, inshallah, in our last minute, um, if we can have just a single minute more, Yasin. Junior, <laughs> um, Ustad Yasin Dutton is your Arabic teacher, I believe, and yeah. he's been, uh, you know, kind of your mentor in a way in other Islamic studies. And well, it's 60 seconds. What can you tell me about your um, too too much? Okay, perhaps a little bit less. Tell us something about your beloved teacher. Well, I mean, what's interesting is that he says that he's not really part of this whole service thing in the world, mm -hmm. but you can never see yourself. You always see yourself in the mirror, which is a reflection that's not really 3D. Mm. I can see him. And I can definitely say that according to the Prophet ﷺ, one of the hadith that Badaul Islam Gharib, right? Islam started as a strange thing, mm -hmm. but Gharb also means the West. Yes. And so if it started with people like Suhail Rumi around the Prophet, Gharibun, people that are most influential in the world are people that are in the West currently. Yes. You yes, know, people yes. like Shah Hamza Yusuf Abdul Hakim Rai as well as Dr. Yasin Dutton. These people are people who influence us greatly and are part of this new Islamic renaissance in the West that we need to hold firm to and that's why I, I'm so I love Dr. Yasin so much, you know, and I take him as my teacher. Masha 
Allah. What a way to end off the show, respected listeners. We say a humble thank you to yourself, uh, Professor <coughs> Dr. Yasin Dutton, for taking the time out, being part of our show, our program this evening, inshallah. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you much more success and many great fortunes I'll in your part to come. From all the listeners, anything I might have said <laughs> or any uh, idiocy I, I might have would, come out with. I doubt there would be so. any such, but khair, shukran, we really appreciate that token. On that note, respected listeners, coming up next is Qur'an, Qur'an reciters of Qur'an. But from myself, Muhammad Shaykh, keep well, keep safe, keep steadfast and deen. Fi amanillah, wassalamu alaykum, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.